Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by the United Ways of Chautauqua County. United Way is a nonprofit organization with a mission to mobilize the community to help every person and family improve their lives. Last year, their Volunteer Income Tax Assistance, or VITA program, helped 1,400 households file their taxes for free. This year, the expanded child tax credit is available to Chautauqua County households with children, even if they don't normally file taxes or have a recent income. Nearly every parent or caregiver of a child with a Social Security number can receive up to $3,600 per child, and it's not too late. Learn more at getctc.org chq. It only takes about 15 minutes online to claim the child tax credit and learn about eligibility. The United Ways of Chautauqua County, proud supporters of Community Radio in Jamestown, New York. To learn more, visit UASCC.org or UnitedWayNCC.org. And again, you're listening to Community Matters. Some may say we're in the twilight of summer now that we're at the end of July, with school days possibly being a hazy memory and the return of them something that still seems a way off in the future. We'll break through that reverie to catch up with Jamestown School Superintendent Dr. Kevin Whitaker. We have Jamestown Public School Superintendent Dr. Kevin Whitaker on the line with us today. He's uh, traveling today uh, out of town, but it's good to have you on the line with us. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate any opportunity to talk. So we're kind of at this midpoint of summer between the end of classes for last school year and the beginning of kids going back to school for this year. So since it's been about a month or more, uh, what are your thoughts on the last school year of how things ended up? Well, one of the things about last year is that, you know, the conditions changed, I guess, might be a good way to, to talk about it. We have had a number of years of disruptions of various sorts. And last year's disruption was the first kind of return to quote-unquote normalcy, even though it wasn't normal at all. Um, Our our kids and our staff, for the first time in a couple of years, have uh, come back to, uh, I guess, what would be a building full of people, um, cafeterias full of people, and sort of a more traditional schedule. So it's been a while since that was the norm. And uh, it can be a challenge. It certainly was a challenge for our kids. There was a great deal of anxiety and pressures and struggles and uh, other mental health and other associated mental health support risks that came with that. So with that said, I would say this: our staff has done an amazing job at navigating that and uh, working through their own issues, whether at home with their own kids or their own situation and returning back to school. And we had... uh, quite a remarkable year given where we had been for the previous two. Mm-hmm. You, you use the word navigating in regards to staff, and it reminds me that you brought on two community navigators in the fall to help, to be a liaison and navigate the, with the, the Hispanic and Latino X community. And so we did, there was a presentation to the school board about that recently, but uh, where where do you see that program, how that program has gone in, over the last year in, in its infancy? Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what I would say. I would, I would call it something in its infancy. The, the goal, and we know, and research tells us how important parent involvement and understanding is in, in the relationships between schools and parents, how important that is in student success. And uh, one of the things that we had discovered is that we had uh, large portions of our 
um, community who was disconnected from school. And the navigators were designed to assist in making some of those connections and repairing some of those connections, as many as we could, given the relatively large number of people and the relatively small number of that we had. So they uh, had actually reached out to about 500 uh, families and kids and had engaged on a regular basis with something like 250 kids. And uh, they they really experienced quite a bit of success early on, given you know it was kind of an experimental early on program that we wanted to see build some relationships. So that program is currently under review, and we are uh, hoping to move forward with uh, some more great candidates this year and increase our cadre to four navigators. And then we will be able to both present sometime this summer to the school board uh, and then continue our presentations on how effective that's been in helping our kids and our families reconnect with school, increasing our attendance, reducing our behavior, and um, passing the core classes, which are key indicators for graduation. And yeah, you reminded me that there will be another presentation that is coming up uh, sometime. I imagine it maybe at the August meeting about the navigators program. So especially since there yeah. was that the community group, they had come out to express a desire to have a navigator specifically for the, the African American and the black community and, and school board yeah. agreed with that. Yeah, sure. Well, I think um, to be more specific, it was uh, an African-American pastor's group who came to say, uh, this is great stuff, we really appreciate this kind of work, and to kind of refocus uh, or put an additional focus on, don't forget, there are lots of kids that, that struggle, and additional navigators would be much appreciated for all students who are struggling. And in, that, in their particular case, they had pointed out uh, some uh, issues and struggles that we had had with our African-American population. But their presentation was focused on all students who are struggling, and that's what the board agreed with. They said that we do need to provide supports for families and kids who are uh, struggling with school success. Mm-hmm. And thinking of school success, we're, we're in in summer, so a lot of people think that things kind of quiet down, but that's not really the case <laughs> once again with Jamestown Public Schools. You are continue, you've brought back and are continuing a program that had been introduced several years ago, the Summer Leap Program. So is that is that still going on right now? It is, yes. And, and thankfully, our Leap and Jump programs are funded uh, through a combination of grants that we get and also by the support of community foundations like the Chicago Regional Community Foundation. And, and others. And without those, uh, without that support from our community foundations, our kids wouldn't have this opportunity to experience um, experiential learning. And you've probably seen uh, some reporting on uh, the food truck uh, that kids have a chance to experience and learn what it's like to run a small business in that way. And also other uh, areas where experiential learning and uh, real life learning is a part of what they're learning over this. So those two programs are incredibly important for us to stave off that summer slide and to help fight off the COVID slide that we've been accumulating over the past few years. In terms of attendance, is this something where you've kind of have like a set number each year of how many kids can participate, or has that number increased at all? Yes, it's certainly increased. Uh, we try to get as many as we can, but we are limited by the number of staff that we're able to hire given the funding that we currently have. We would love to have every single kid come and be able to fund enough staff in order to support them. But at this point, we're just limited by the, uh, the dollar amount that we're able to raise. 
Mm-hmm. Are you able to do the bridge program this year? That's just the, if I remember right, that was a program that you did for incoming freshmen for the high school? Yeah, yeah. It's a few weeks of programming, and it talks about uh, the transition from middle school to high school. We are running that this year, and they do all sorts of things, from helping to uh, set up systems for getting your homework done and processing all of the different classes and what it's going to be like to go through the the high school and how you know what the maps are and how your locker works and where things are in this big giant building that kids can be intimidated by. Um, so all of that is happening and it's happening uh, with several groups over the summer and that uh, is on the books to occur. Right. So since we're talking about looking, you know, going into September and, you know, go and getting kids ready for our high school, what are we looking at for the 2022-23 school year right now? Well, one of the things that, one of the many things that we're focused on is uh, our social emotional needs of our of our kids. And we, as a, we talked about kind of at the top of the program, we've seen a significant increase in um, behaviors and needs related to struggles with mental health and with uh, social emotional supports. So one of the things that we've done is we've added assistant principals well, they're not really assistant principals. They're um, teachers on special assignments uh, to elementary schools. We've added additional psychologists and social workers, and we have added a number of what I'm calling behavioral first responders, but they are paraprofessionals who will be specially trained in helping to navigate um, um, conflict cycles and areas where students are escalated so that we have a, a few more layers of support between the classroom teacher and the principal so that students can um, have their plans managed, their needs met, and uh, any situations that occur, we can hopefully get them refocused on on school and navigate some of the struggles that they're having so that they can focus on academics rather than end up in a situation where they may be suspended for a short or a long-term period of time as a result of something that could be solvable um, within the school building or on a short-term basis. In terms of um, those behavioral, um, I guess you call it a, kind of a pro, well, it is a proactive um, approach to uh, dealing with mental health issues or behaviors within students. What do you see the uh, possible effects of, you know, getting students, even while they're in school? I mean, the goal is so that they can, you know, succeed academically. But do you see other benefits to this for beyond the school walls? Yeah, well, I think the, the the COVID situation is much encompassed clearly much more than school. And a lot of times we think of kids in school as just like another thing. But really, school is part of the community and it's part of a, a student's experience, part of a community's experience. And the things that happen and there are impacts outside of school are the same kinds of things that impact within the school. So some of these items that we just talked about with mental health and anxiety and some depression and some isolation and the effects that those things have had certainly play themselves out in a school setting as they would in a, uh, you know, a restaurant or a supermarket or out in the community and other locations. So um, we're addressing an issue that has uh, certainly been part of a community issue in general that we just happen to be seeing in school because schools are part of our community. Mm-hmm. 
When it comes to, I'm thinking, more structural related, uh, there was a, a couple of capital projects, uh, some include, including what is uh, going to be do, happening at Purcell Middle School. Are those projects something, that construction project, something happening this summer, or is it something that's scheduled to be happening maybe next school year? Yeah, so we have some, some short-term style uh, projects that are happening. There are these things called capital outlays and then these other things called capital projects. And capital projects are the big ones, the big giant things that um, people may have remembered voting in favor of uh, a year ago or so. And uh, that continues on. That's a five-year process where we're, the state has a number of gates that you have to pass through. You know, First, you have to get your plans approved. Then you have to design it and have uh, meetings within your school district to decide on final versions, and then that has to be approved, and then you have to go out to bid, and then the construction can begin. <clears throat> so there's a whole process involved in those. The shorter-term ones are things like the secure entry at Purcell or some auditorium repairs or some early fixes to the uh, tracks or the fields, say, at Washington and Purcell. Um, those things will be moving forward. So, for example, the auditorium at Purcell and the secure entry, secure vestibule, those are capital outlays, and those are annual outlays that districts do in order to maintain schools and make sure that there's upkeep of the facilities. So um, over the course of this year, there will be work done at Purcell, uh, either on a B shift or a C shift or after, um, during breaks and that sort of thing. So that by the end of the year, hopefully by spring, maybe even by January, uh, that secure entry is done. And hopefully this summer or at least by the fall, we will have the auditorium work finished up in Purcell as well. So there's lots of stuff going on all the time. Great. Uh, it, have you had any further development of uh, the safety, the school safety zone plan for around Purcell? Because that was something that was being discussed with the city at one point. Yeah, yeah, we have met with the city, and they have uh, they proposed probably nine different options based on traffic flow and the kinds of developments that other uh, schools and cities have done. And uh, the board has discussed it, and we're certainly going to be moving forward with repainting of the crosswalks, signage, uh, solar-powered flashing lights, and um, moving a crosswalk um, actually, it's really not moving. It's more like moving the main crosswalk area to uh, where it crosses Hazeltine at Palmetter, which is uh, just a little bit east, I guess, of the 7-Eleven parking lot so that um, kids don't have to walk all the way to the end uh, of the building in order to cross the road, which was one of the issues. And there are some other proposals that are afoot that the city may be uh, looking at in terms of road design uh, at down Baker, but uh, that's something that they're looking at. For us, it's going to be crosswalks, signage, and lights. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure what the city was going to be, if they would have to work in tandem with the county or not, because I thought that, that Baker, that part of Baker was still a county road. But well, the, I know the city and county have worked together on different projects regarding that road in the past and recent history. So uh, I guess we'll, I'll have to check in with Mayor Sunquist when I talk to him next week. So uh, good information. So what it, this is something you may not have information about because as I know how releases come out from government, they don't always filter down all the information they need to, to, to different municipalities or districts. Governor Kathy Hochul had announced last week that the state is working on a back-to-school fall action plan in regards to COVID-19. 
And part of that would include distributing 3 million tests of schools across the state before classes begin. Have, has the Jamestown School District received any additional information about anything new or different to expect in September with COVID-19? Well, the state is very good at uh, waiting until the last minute to announce things and then surprising us with requirements. So um, a lot of times I don't think that, that the state thinks that fall planning needs to be done by June so that we can let staff know. But it, it is what it is, and if they're going to send tests to us, that's perfectly fine. We will um, inform parents of the availability of those tests. We'll, of course, provide them to our school nurses and our health staff so that uh, they can administer them with parent permission. And uh, we'll wait and see what the details are from this plan. I had heard that something was coming, but I hadn't seen anything tangible yet. And that's what we will be looking forward to. Great. Is there anything else that's happening with the district that you'd like to update us on? There is so much going on that is really positive and, and really good. We have great kids. We have an amazing staff. Our parents and community are supportive of our school district. And I'm just thankful to be a part of this school district and the, the amazing work that's done every day. One of the things that has attracted me to working in city school districts or in an, in an urban or even a rural urban setting is that you have to be, no matter who you are, uh, working in uh, a district like Jamestown, you have to be committed to the success and development of kids and be committed to the relationships you build with parents and the community in order to have kids be successful. And that's what our goal is. That's what our mission is. We want to educate and graduate every student with the skills and uh, knowledge to live lives, to lead, lead lives of consequence. And when we can do that, we're going to continue to have a strong community and a great future in Jamestown. Great. Well, Dr. Whitaker, thank you again for uh, t taking the time to call in for today's show. Of course, Julia. Thanks so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk.